0: share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations, both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn.
1: So today we have the honor to interview a group of female sports performance experts. So first we have uh, Mel Paoli, the best player on the pitch and athletic trainer at the Swiss Football Association. So welcome back uh, Mel.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Great. Thank you, Mel. And then we have uh, Dr. Christy uh, Fernandez School, the CEO of uh, DaVinci Wearables, uh, an AI-wearable device for women athletes and teams. So uh, welcome, Christy.
3: Thank you. Fabulous to be here.
1: Great. Uh, Thank you. And then uh, we have Shavini, uh, who is the CEO of uh, OxyWear, the maker of the world's first wearable device for continuous real-time monitoring of oxygen. Uh, during motion. So welcome, Shavini, as well.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you, uh, Shavini. And then we have uh, Alison Schmidt, a 10-time Olympic medalist and multiple world champion in swimming uh, with Team USA. And she's also the consultant for ARICO, a leading sports data company. So welcome, Alison, as well.
5: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Great. And then we have uh, Joa Muro, a physical therapist for the New York Liberty. The top WNBA team. So, welcome back, uh, Joel, as well.
6: Hi. Thanks,
1: Great. Thank you, Joel. So, hey, so what I want to talk to you about today is first, uh, there's been some news from the NBA. Uh, they just announced that they're looking for uh, new technology startups for women uh, for, for the WNBA teams. So, I think it's a great initiative that uh, the NBA, WNBA are doing. So, we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about the FIFA. They have a new initiative called the FIFA Women's Health. While being in performance project. And then lastly, I will talk about a new study on women's team that I came across. So how does it sound good for everybody? Great. Uh, Great. So hey, the first topic, uh, and I thought it was uh, an important event, uh, the NBA, in association with the WNBA, uh, recently announced that they are launching and looking for new startups, uh, building technologies for women athletes and teams. For WNBA teams. And that's the first program that they're launching, you know, for the for WNBA teams. So uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this and how important do you think that is uh, you know, to help maybe bring more awareness towards technology for women, maybe to bring more resources, etc. So anybody wants to comment on that?
6: Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Um uh, no, I mean I think it's awesome. I think anytime we can start looking at more. Uh, accessibility to resources that just help improve the game for women's sports in general is always great um, I think this is an interesting topic because from just the understanding that I have of working with with the specific type of athletes as as these um, I think just like with anything culture is really important so we can provide all the um, you know if, if people are having the interest to provide this uh, these resources that's awesome but how how are they going to be used and what is the um even mindset from not only an organization and team but also players and then even more so the league so um you know we that's awesome that there's going to be access to things but is there going to is it going to be received how is it going to be received? And then how is it going to be utilized? Um, so I think it just broadens the conversation of, yeah, like what our teams are currently doing um, and what's just the overall thought into that. And um, is there interest? Because ultimately, is there going to be buy-in, right? Like right. is there going to be buy-in from the ownership groups? Is there going to be buy-in from the league? Because if there's not, then it it may not actually go anywhere.
1: But. Well, so, so what i saw and i know uh tom ryan was the head of the lunch pad the nba lunch pad and i was wondering because you didn't know i think i don't think you knew about the accelerator program
5: yeah.
1: but when i told you so i'm even wondering did you actually consulted the wnba team before they announced it or not i don't know
6: yeah and that that's kind of the thing too right like you is it yeah like who, where is this interest coming from like where who's 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 in this discussion
0: yeah
6: um, that's an important piece and i guess that's kind of what i'm talking about too is that if you you can have all this access to resources and stuff but if if the players aren't going to buy in if the, just like any, just like working with athletes in general if the players not going to buy in if the organization's not going to buy in what what are we actually doing yeah um, you can have all the bells and whistles but if it's not actually helping a problem or create a solution to something that you're going to actually use what what's is it just That's a cool a, toy to have yeah. uh, but, I, but I'm, I'm just throwing this out there i don't know i i'm just talking here um uh, so i'm not i'm yeah i think it's great again to have the interest and in stuff like that um ultimately like what's what what's the service that it's trying to provide and then yep. will it be utilized
1: well, I guess we'll find out, right? As they, yeah. there's more details. Um,
6: but uh, like anybody, anybody say what they're thinking or whatnot.
1: Yeah. Anybody else has any thoughts on that? Or?
5: I mean, I comp- I will second you, Joel, because I think, I mean, anything, whether we're talking about startups or anything, we have to have the reason why behind that and what's the why for starting these technology businesses and the wearables and all of that. So what's the why? What's it going to do? How are we going to get people interested in this? And Mm -hmm. as we know, the world is changing. Sports is getting better, faster because of all this technology. So just looking into that and understanding that there's other things out there and technology is booming that we can find things to help us get better from all levels of performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah yeah
3: I'd like to add to that, you know I, I definitely think it's critical to understand um, you know the the root of how this came to me. i I'm excited about the focus of the NBA launch pad um, to to help the WNBA in particular because you know from a health and wellness and physiology, and just to kind of put myself out there, you know we're building sort of a you know trying to build a transformative woman's health. Um, platform where we're focused on unlocking new levels of that AI enabled coach in your pocket that isn't just providing data, but actually providing actionable insights. So it's not just about your HRV. What are you going to do with that data? And so when I see the NBA launchpad focused on the WNBA in particular, it's almost an acknowledgement of, you know what? Females from a physiological standpoint are made different. We're unique. Mm -hmm. It's a superpower. What technologies are going to really be brought to bear to amplify that both on and off the court? So I have to confess, I'm purely passionate about that. Seeing an organization like the NBA, you know, irrespective of how this came to be, them amplifying that, hey, the WNBA matters and females matter. What technologies can we bring to bear to amplify that, you know? I, I, I hear what everyone's saying. I'm just excited, clearly, as you can see. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, no, I, totally didn't, I didn't want to sound like I was being negative at all. I'll, I guess I was just trying to bring up the point of, I think what historically there has been some, um, again, this is just from my small experience. There's almost been like hesitation from utilizing technology, also from not only just a price point, but also utilization and what you're actually going to get out of it. So I guess what I'm just saying is, I love, I'm so excited and happy that there's this thought process, but like kind of to Julian's point, do people even know that this is happening? And then, um, like do people even know that this is happening? And then also do people truly understand what's the benefit of it? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't understand those things, then there's people aren't going to use it. So how, how are we, what are we doing to then educate, right? All the stakeholders, that could utilize this stuff
4: yeah i was just about to add to that it's education is really important when it comes to this because like as someone who has gone through episodes and who's been through all this i understand exactly like how the hormonal thing affects the performance and your cardio function right then how the simple drop in iron during your menstrual cycle, affected right, and the low blood affects your whole endurance and your performance, because as someone with weak lungs, when my iron drops, I can't breathe. <laughs> when my hemoglobin drops, I can't breathe. So, with someone who's with experience, I can completely say like why this is important. And but the thing is, I think it lacks that education piece right? Not everyone knows how these numbers actually affect your performance. Not all the athletes have this education piece, right? So therefore, even though NBA and the leagues and no matter how many are buying into this and trying to improve this, until that education part is given, and the athlete actually understands how this can help them to be above everyone else and how to manage their training and how to do the whole strategy behind their whole game, they will not buy into this. <laughs> because it's sometimes like, for example, I'm doing oxygen. The oxygen numbers can kill someone's career. <laughs> right when they know how their numbers are really dropping and how the performance is bad it can end someone's career so it's about how to do it but with the player's approval so that either they can use it just for themselves to plan their performance or if they want they can share it with the coach right so that whole piece of education plus the player's approval everything has to be in balance if this Really needs to go and go out there properly and help the athlete. That's what I see. Like from my side, I would love if everyone uses this device. But as a perform athlete, I've seen the both side of the picture. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe Mel, do you want to provide do you have any thoughts on that as well?
2: Or? I think uh, everything we're told. Um, for me it's really exciting to to really wait for what kind uh, what kind of technologies mm-hmm. uh, not just the why <laughs> but also what kind of who are really helping the woman because for me it's actually I don't care if it, it has to be a an, an, an technology who has to to help equal who is using it for the adequate physiology. So I don't care if it's for men or for women, or but it has to be the 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 good technology. And what I'm a little, I, I like this 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 uh, rolling machine. Who now we speak about women' health and everything, but I actually I don't want that it's made just like also in a category. You know, you are just like okay, it's just for women. No, it's it has to be for athlete, for individualized, for your for your own physiology of if you are a woman if you are a man if you have a x, x gender you know what i mean so it has to be a technology will help individualize the athlete for me and i will be really i'm really exciting to see what kind of physiology and uh, technology are coming in this in this domain and uh, so yeah let's see if we can use that after on the other sports also
1: Yeah, and also had a, so I went to the NBA Summer League, right, in in Vegas, and they had the Tech Expo. So the NBA Launchpad had an NBA Tech Expo. So I'm thinking next year, they're probably going to, you know, invite uh, startups, right, that build technology for WNBA teams. team. So that, I think, makes sense, right? But then the other question I had was, in the NBA, for example, uh, you're not allowed to use wearable technology during live games, right? They're very strict on that. I have no idea what it is in the WNBA. So I mean, it's a question for you, Joel, like, are you allowed to use wearable devices uh, during training? And the other thing is in the NBA, um, if an NBA team is using a wearable device, even during training, and it's not approved by the NBA, they get fined. I think it's like $250,000. So what is the status for WNBA team?
6: Well, and that's essentially what I was alluding to. Without trying to get into the pol- yeah. particulars of the politics and stuff, was that like if you're not actually addressed, like if it was not even accepted from a league manner, then how do we? Then what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we're just creating stuff to just say we're creating stuff um, to just acknowledge maybe uh, an area that has been not acknowledged, which is great in itself. Um, but that's exactly what I was trying to reference, Julian. Um, so, which,
1: so you're not allowed to use wearable devices during live games. Today,
6: not al- in the WNBA. Uh, there is regulations about wearing wearables um, during gameplay. There's no regulations regarding a um, practice. Um, mm-hmm. From my understanding, it's up to the player's discretion, and I uh, and I'm saying that even I think from the the NBA's aspect. Um, we are probably one of the few teams that utilize uh, data in that way. Um, so that's why that's again what I was referencing in terms of like if we're going to create this avenue of all this resources, cool, but does the people actually know how to use it? Do mm-hmm. they actually have experience of utilizing this stuff? Can they actually integrate it? Otherwise, it's like we're we're not we're gonna have a block <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so. I mean, yeah, you have
1: to wait and see, right? What the plan, I'm sure they communicate more because honestly, there was not a lot of communication I've seen about the details.
6: No, it doesn't seem like that because another thing too, is like you said, Julian, you went during the summer league at this convention. Well, what's going on during the summer league our season. So we can't even attend the summer league, uh, convention. Um, so again, if you're going to utilize, if you're going to have this avenue of helping the, the group. Let's probably like integrate the group. That's
1: yeah, but I know you had you had the uh, WNB All Star game, which happened to be it in did.
6: yes, yes, yeah. But
1: that you're saying that you, okay, yeah, there has to be coordination there, communication, right? <clears throat> so, but sure. I,
6: I don't, I don't know the particulars of it, uh, so I'm not trying to like you yeah. know talk poorly about any kind of group or anything like that, but mm-hmm. kind of just the overall arching, I think, umbrella that I'm trying to express is if there's going, if this is going to address a certain demographic. First off, they, are they aware, are they educated on it? And then are they included in the conversation?
1: Yeah, um, but, you know, I think I think it's positive, but we just need to know more.
6: Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure.
1: Uh, but speaking of another initiative, right? So the FIFA, and I talked to Mel about this the other day. So they're launching in collaboration with some experts around the world. They unveiled the FIFA Women Health, Wellbeing and Performance Project. And that was announced during the World Cup, actually. And so they're dedicated to address critical challenges in women's health. Uh, so with a vision to elevate women's participation, education, and performance to new horizons. I think uh, Alison, one of your colleagues, was actually speaking at the at the summit. Um, so how important is this initiative from FIFA? Do you think is it going to help to accelerate you know education towards challenges faced by women's teams? Is it going to help to drive? You know more research we talked about research today uh what do you guys think i mean it's that seems to be a bit more articulate i don't say that in a negative way uh but what do you guys think about this initiative from the fifa
2: if, if i go with that first um mm-hmm. i think i think it will be really an accelerator that's my opinion because of what we see in this world cap also what the Australian girls, what the Matildas does, was much more over the, the soccer. It was really pushing the the women's sports and the, this this celebration and all together and be the be the model for the woman woman sports general in Australia. And um, I think after that we saw also I think two weeks after the government of Australia rise 200 million Mm -hmm. uh, dollar for the women's sports for the research for the women's sports and i think it's it's the the fifa with this visibility what the soccer at this point is is on the machine is rolling and i think this project they are doing this education project this this um, empowerment project everything everything will help to rise the women's health and the women's sports in general. So I'm I'm sure that this will be a really, really good stuff, a good beginning to help to open new opportunity for studies, research mm-hmm.
3: and so on.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Anybody else wants to follow up on that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think what we're seeing is a critical mass. I think Nike also uh, published an article this past summer where the the drop, you know, there are inflections, right? So there's clearly an inflection in people really being interested in seeing women in sport. There's an inflection to understand why clinical studies have fallen short of including females, right? And then we mm-hmm. also have sports performance, right? So clinical studies falling short, including females, just in research at large. But when it, when you overlap you know, woman playing female physiology identified folks, you know, uh, playing sports and also trying to understand their bodies from a hormonal health standpoint. I mean, the statistics don't don't lie, they're statistics, right? So we're seeing this critical mass. Again, I'm, I'm excited that not only WNBA, but now FIFA uh, is involved. And really the crux here is, I think to your point, Mel, right? It's, it's this personalization. Uh, let me keep me honest and sure that I'm not misspeaking in terms of reiterating what you said, but you said it really nicely. Like, let's think about physiology at large. Uh, but let's think about how physiology really plays a role in almost creating negative effects right not only physically mentally and socially right so to the to the point on acceptance we're i don't know you know from from 20 years ago you know we just weren't i wouldn't say allowed but it was frowned upon to actually talk about hormonal health let alone our differences in physiology and so once we start to normalize let's talk about why our health and the personalization of our health and all these metrics are important to us. Then we create this flywheel effect to say, okay, people want to learn more clearly because people are wearing wearables, but then what do you do with that information? Honestly, I don't think to many of what folks have said in this thread, like, okay, I have my HRV. What does that, what does that mean? Okay. It's low or my oxygenation when I was sleeping was low to the point where I should be concerned do I go see a healthcare provider or not? And so I think all of this has a critical mass. I mean, time will tell, you know, what the result is, but clearly at least we're getting the attention, right, that has been lost for over 30 years. Yeah, I think I can
4: add to it because someone who's actually working on the FDA side, even when it comes to clinical trials, they don't. It's just the numbers are based on the... Business model, the market segment of who buys it. And even on the skin, like for example, when it comes to oxygen, it changes based on the gender, based on your skin tone, everything. Right. But the clinical protocol doesn't even have that. It only had 80% light skin and 20% dark skin. Mm. Right. So even for that, I had to argue with them to change the protocol. And I charged, I was arguing with it even before COVID, but I couldn't get the approval to change that until COVID happened and until they had all these issues about pulse oximeters not working on different skin tones, right? So at least I I love that it's getting attention, attention but when will it actually be practiced <laughs> oh, Like, you know, that's the biggest question. Like they're saying we are helping women. They're saying we are doing this, but when will it actually go into practice? And that's something I'm really waiting to see because for example, even the COVID vaccine, it was tested for men, but women were having so much of complications. I am one of them. I ended up in the ICU after the vaccine because my menstrual bleeding just wouldn't stop. My hemoglobin dropped to two. And I couldn't even talk. When I talked, I was passing out. So that's the thing. So it has all the trials and everything needs to be inclusive, right? So far, without talking, but still, it's not in practice. So I would love to see where this talk will actually convert to the walk. Mm -hmm.
6: Yeah,
1: good point. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, the one comment I would make about just technology for women in general, right? If you look at maybe Mel, the walk-up in in Australia, New Zealand, I think the majority of the teams, I think, were tracking menstrual cycle. They had, you know, a number of technologies, right? So I think there has been kind of a step forward. Yes or no? Would you agree with that or no?
2: Yeah, it was was a, a step forward with that, for sure. There is some teams who are now... It's normal to track the menstrual cycle. It's like here in this circle for us, it's normal. Everything is no. For me, it's everything is like normal. But when I go to the practice, when I when I go to just in Switzerland, just yeah. in the little Switzerland, just trying there to go in the practice. When I'm speaking, I have the feeling I, I'm always saying the same stuff. But actually, they are so necessary to speak about it. Because the education for the people, it's sometimes it's still new and it's still sometimes just taboo. And and that's why this education is so important, but not just at the point of the athletes themselves, because I think the athletes themselves, what's happening on Internet and everything now for the for for the possibility to for the knowledge. Sometimes they know more than the coach selves. And I think that is really, really important to educate, educated the coaches. Not taking just the elite players and just already in the grassroots, already with 13 years old girls, 12 years old girls, who are beginning with their period to to understand what's happening with their body, and they will have this mindset, and it will be in uh, let's say 10 years normal. But we have to we have to go first up, but also same time down because yeah. So it's it in the World Cup, yes, we spoke about this but at the same at the same time you wanted to to speak about it also in the media you know with the, with the, they speak about that oh the swiss swiss team is tracking but i don't want that they just reduce our work to the menstrual cycle like mm-hmm. they lose because they had their period you know so it's it can be <laughs> the good point to to speak about it but because the society is still not ready sometimes to hear it Then they just like, you know, take it like again, you give like some feed to for criticism. That's part of the game. I take it. But the take home message is just an information and and, and good monitoring tool that we can have as a woman to help to to train better, to feel better, to to regenerate better. And um, that has to be the take home. But um, yeah, we are that's why we are making this group. And that's why we're speaking about that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think just
4: like for the fact that you said, like, it's not about you lost because of menstrual cycle. Okay. How do we actually avoid them from losing because of the menstrual cycle? Right. For like understanding everyone's the timelines and during that time adjusting their whole nutrition plan so that, okay, they're losing this hemoglobin, they're losing the iron during this time. We need to boost it up. Right. So, I, yeah. I, I because that's how. To be honest, that's how my I, I have a severe cardiovascular disease. That's how my doctors manage me due to my menstrual cycle. I'm on heavy dose of iron, so my cardio function doesn't fall off. Right. And it's the same like for any woman that it drops. So it's about how you it's not about saying well, if they lost because of the period, how to avoid them from losing because of the period. <laughs> that's what's important.
2: Yeah, that's why the education is really, really important so we go a step in this sense and i think the the soccer like the um basketball is exactly the same it's growing up it's it's giving this possibility this visibility to help the women's sports also and all the olympian champion like alison who who individual sports and and tracking them and speaking out about this like michaela shifrin also on skiing and so on it's so important because they are the they are the Let's say i don't know how we say that in english but they go out and they speak about that so the girls are like oh yeah i have to try and to think about that also yeah the role model i think it's important
1: anybody else want to comment on that before we jump on the next topic or yeah
3: yeah just quickly and 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 granted um not trying to like um, overly advocate here, but to, to your point, Mel, like we created this Champions Network, which it's it's not for any gain other than to pay it forward, right? So a lot of it is made of made up of collegiate athletes, high school athletes, professional athletes after you know off field and off the court, um, and it's them elevating. You know, we didn't. There's a lot of data being taken on athletes at large. How much of that data do they have access to? Actually, it turns out few and far between, which is a whole nother, you know, topic that we won't, I won't dive into. Um, But what about their data after they don't have a team of coaches and physical trainers guiding them, right? To try to be that best athlete. Now, if we bring physiology into the mix, you know, it's sort of a platform that we've created to say, what would you like to tell your younger self? or the, the future female athlete of what they should be mindful of, right? And what you're concerned about right now or should have been concerned, because there's there's a whole like overtraining, which is a source of a lot of the injuries, right? And, and crossing those thresholds. So I mean, there's so many topics that we can kind of delve into. And I think to your point, Mel, and I think Joelle, you highlighted, you know, that education, that socialization, it's okay to talk about it, not to emphasize the weakness but rather to draw on the education as a strength, right? Yes, this was happening, and and to your Shavini, like here's how it be augmented. Anyway, I just thought I'd put it out there. We we have like a champions network to say like pay it forward. What is that woman's health or f- physiological quote um, that you'd like to amplify? And so that's yep. that's a little way that we're trying to trying to elevate that to make it okay and normalize. You know, what would you like to talk about and say? Yeah,
1: yeah, like oh no, no, great point. Um, So, hey, uh, the next topic I want to talk, and I think we touched on that the last time a little bit, Uh, there's been some, uh, you know, women's sports has been seeing really high growth uh, the last couple of, you know, years. The fans are really getting more involved in sports uh, for women across different leagues. For example, the WNB application monthly active users grew 147% last year. Uh, The WNB also um, achieved double-digit growth in partnership revenue this year. Uh, And also the World Cup, right, Uh, where you were in in Australia, New Zealand, uh, they increased the prize money to $152 million, which was three times more, I think, at the previous uh, World Cup. So are you surprised by those numbers? I mean, yeah, sometimes when you look at the growth rate, it's still pretty small, maybe compared to men's sports, but we're seeing a lot of growth, right? More interest. Anybody have any uh, feedback, comments, disagree, or what do you guys think?
6: I think it's if you even so, this is a conversation I've had with even like previous employers. Um, If you're not even considering like gender equality, anything of that's of that nature, if you just look at market sharing, isn't the female population over 50% of? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> the population of the United States so if you just look at it even economically in terms of a market why is this surprising <laughs> like we're, right. if, you're not, if you're not if you're not tailoring to over 50% of the market and then you start to do that and you see increase in viewership and sales it's as if oh my gosh this came out of nowhere no it didn't <laughs> we just weren't we just weren't doing anything for women yeah women's sports so I mean I I, to just look at it even like a fundamentally a fundamental economic and and I'm not in I have no formal training in business I'm solely science Uh, I just always kind of honestly laugh at that because I'm just like why why are we so surprised It's it's a complete half of the market that wasn't even being well
1: it should have happened before then yeah it hasn't happened before
4: yeah I was was going to tell the same thing it's not a surprise at all because it's just that it's there, but they didn't get the media presence and the visibility that they needed for their fans to even follow them or see them, or they didn't have. Because unless you go in person, there was no way for them to do it for the women's stuff before. But now, finally, they are getting the media share that they need, they actually deserve. So, more people, especially on the international level, like If I'm from Sri Lanka, I could see NBA, but I couldn't see any WNBA matches,
3: Hmm.
4: right? It's not even telecasted. So how would I even go and cheer for any of them? But now that all the ESPN apps and everything is there now, finally people get to see this. So I'm not surprised about the numbers at all. It's just all this time they had no, the list of the fans had no access to this. So they couldn't see the data of how many fans and how many viewers they had
1: is uh, it because the media were not interested in broadcasting that content about women's games
5: yeah
6: i mean i i can't give a you know hard factual answer to that but were we getting media no so i don't know yeah. <laughs> but i mean even from just a personal experience of being here in brooklyn and um, the New York City area, uh, the thing that I also think is so interesting, too, is that it's not just women. It's not just kids. Truthfully, when I go about my day in the city, I, I honestly see more men wearing Liberty jerseys. I see them wearing the orange hoodie with the, uh, the W. Um, so I think there's also just this notion where it's only women and, and you know kids that are the fan base is not accurate. Um, again, I can't give you the hard statistics on that, but I've, you know, I've seen st- stats, especially recently, like with all the growth of the WNBA and the World Cup and so forth. But also just on a personal level, I mean, it's I, we have so much support from men. Um, so I, I just think again, it's kind of it's that it makes sense when you just create accessibility to a market that wasn't even represented.
1: Well, I think, you know, when I went to your New know, York Liberty game, I was just uh, amazed. There were just so many men, right? Not just women are going to the game. I yeah. Was almost more than half, but half were men.
6: Yes. And, and like, I t- and even on non-game nights, when I go out for, you know, dinner and drinks with friends, like I see guys wearing our jerseys as yeah. they would wear a Knicks jersey or a jersey for another yeah. team. And. And I, I, go, I, mean, I know I'm biased, but Julian, maybe you can attest to and this. I can tell you, I've never been
1: to an NBA, NBA game before, but I was, like, totally surprised. I like, yeah. was not expecting – the game was more fun than watching an NBA game. I shouldn't yes, say that. But-
6: that's exactly what I was just going to say. Mm-hmm. I will not name names except the Mavericks. I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm from Dallas. Yeah. But our experience is phenomenal, and it's because the fan base. It's because their energy, their interaction, like, yeah. it's it's crazy. and You know, I love just seeing all these stats from not only just this women's basketball side, but like the Women's World Cup and things of that nature where it's just like how much more how much more do we need to see before we stop saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so shocked at this. Is it really shocking? It's not. But
1: it's just really go to a game, see for yourself.
6: Yeah. And yeah, I know that's, and truthfully, I, I will, if I see a guy at a bar or anybody really wearing a WNBA shirt, I will give them free tickets because I'm like, come to a game, bring your yeah. friends. I promise you, you go once, you will be hooked. And, and Julian, I think you can attest to I that. I mean, like
1: my wife, who never goes to any game, my daughters, they're like, we're going back. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, yeah, I can tell. I mean, other usually when I tell them, go, let's go to a game, they come back, so I'm not going back.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I, I I, think like that video that they shared, the whole flight that was going to Australia, just cheering and watching the Matildas win the game, right? Yeah. It was more men, right? No, the whole flight was, was just crazy. screaming and watching the Matildas win the game. So it's just all this time, no one could watch those. Now right. everyone can watch it. 100%.
1: Um, anybody else has any comment on that before we move on to the last topic? Or
2: yeah, I'm agree with you, Joel. It's really, it's really um, the audience is it's 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 not just women in in the soccer is exactly the same. Um, we we played uh, for one week against uh, the world champion against Spain in Spain. Um, I mean, there was fourteen thousand people. It's not so big when you think about the ninety thousand who had the Champions League or so on. But it was the record also for the audience or the, for the for the crowd um, in, the st- in the stadium for Spain. But it was amazing. It was little boys, little girls, women, men. It was this energy. And I think, like you said, it's not shocking. It should be normal, but it's shocking because before we didn't see that. And what you can see, it's like something new. So, but it shouldn't be new. It is. Uh, uh, Fortunately, I'm happy that it is like this now and it's developing, and I think that's just the beginning because now the machine is rolling, and I think that every sports are pushing each other to get this dynamic. Not just the soccer, but the soccer, the the, the basketball, the volleyball. Nebraska Mm -hmm. tried to get the, the 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 crowd, so now we we try to push, and there is also another energy in the stadium sometimes, depending. So that's what that's what I hear. That's what I hear also from from people who are coming to see the games. It's like more fairness. It's I don't know, but I don't want to make one against the other one. Right. Yeah, because actually it don't have to be the man's against the woman. But I think I think both need deserve to be seen and to be to be to be enjoyed.
6: Yeah, and I totally agree with that, too, um, in terms of you see the collaboration amongst like various leagues and sports. Um, I only I only speak to the women's side because that's the side that I work in. But, you know, the um, like exactly what you said, Mel, where you see different teams and leagues supporting each other and going to each other's games and, um, like retweeting each other. And, and you see it, you do see it now, actually from the NBA side, they're coming to our games and they're supporting the women's side and they're not even coming at it from a, like men supporting women. They're just supporting the game, which they're just supporting athletes. They're supporting each other. Right. Um, and that's what I, that's what I love. I actually heard, so I I'll do contract work with other teams on, um, like, you know, in, in other times of the year. And I heard a quote one time from a coach that I still use, and I've used actually with my performance team too, is that, you know, if I'm challenging you, it's not because I'm challenging you to put you down it's I'm challenging you to, to, to bring you with me. And that's kind of what I'm seeing now amongst just kind of the sports world is that people are supporting each other and rooting each other on. But then also, if they're coming, if they like, like I said, challenge each other in any sort of way. I, I'm kind of getting a sense, a more global sense where it's we're just trying to improve the game and we're trying to improve each other's game. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's crossing the industry, it's crossing the sports, it's crossing the teams. And I think, again, because I work on the women's side, I experience that and it's infectious and it's, it's really fun to be a part of. Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, Hey, last topic I want to talk about today is, there was a study I came across, a lot of study, a number of them, uh, a report summarizing the sex differences in the diagnosis and management of ACL injuries and concussion. So, for example, male athletes are more likely to have ACL injuries and have a higher rate of return to sport, and then concussion occur more commonly in female athletes. However, female athletes are also more likely to report concussions. Ah, uh, male athletes more commonly sustain concussion through contact with another player, and female athletes more commonly sustain injury from contact with playing equipment. Do you think this study as is valid? Does it even make sense? Are you surprised by it? Why? Why not? Anybody?
4: It's the hormonal and the mass and everything. A woman, it's just the whole structure and how we are built, not, right? Yeah. So for like our hormones, especially estrogen, affects everything, right? And so during rec- the because we don't have enough mass, the chances of us getting the ACL injuries is higher than men. And at the same time, because of the hormones, the time it takes for us to recover is also higher than men, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just basic. Bio science. So I mean,
1: it, like, it sounds like it's not that interesting, which I think brings back the, the 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 topic of can we have more, you know, more studies towards women, more relevant studies, right? And that's the typical case, kind of a study that where, you know what, they're so what, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. I think also just kind of what we've talked about already as a group on this discussion is the importance of individualization um so i think mel you said it where it's awesome that we're looking at male and female but let's also just consider the athlete as a person as a whole and looking at not just their gender um, their biological gender or whatnot but also just who they are and what makes them work and so in terms of you know females reporting more than males i mean again that's where you i think just want to look into what makes that person who they are emotionally, psychologically, um, how they receive feedback, how they like to give feedback? I think that's really um, where this kind. Of, we've just all already touched on that. Where it's it's you can you can consider it as male versus female, but also more importantly, like who is who is the athlete as a whole?
1: Because every every athlete is different. Yeah. Psychologically, physically, right? As a human being, right? Uh,
6: yeah. And and. Kind of even, um, I think Christy, you might have touched on it, like the the stigmas behind certain things. You know, like the stigmas behind talking about certain certain topics that maybe uh, a male grew up being more comfortable talking about that stuff versus a female. Well, what does that really come down to? It just comes down to the stigmatization of communication, and so it's really just communication. Like, what? How can we help improve those? And really, how can we just create an environment for people to? feel comfortable in expressing their, um, what they're feeling and what they're reporting, Um, especially when you do come, especially when you are working with concussion, right? Because it is so symptom-based. It is really important of having those good relationships that are trusting um, and knowing that, you know, the person feels like they can, um, like they just feel like they're getting good care and quality. Um, Otherwise, if they don't feel that there's good communication amongst us, I'm going to talk regarding, let's say, a team that I work with. Like, if they're Allie doesn't feel like there's good communication amongst the performance team, then they're probably not going to be very responsive, regardless. Reg- kind of like what I was talking about before. You can have the, all the bells and whistles, but if the person doesn't buy into the process, it's not even going to matter. Um, so, yeah. how much can we just create good communication processes, a good environment, and? allow people to succeed. I think there's, I mean, I, I know I've read of research articles, too, how if there's even just streamlined communication processes from the whole medical performance staff, that alone has some statistical uh, decrease in um, injury, like decrease in injury risk. So yeah, you should say it to me.
1: You should say I love to see it.
6: Okay. <laughs> but uh, me, Jill, I can just add to it, like you can
4: correct me if I'm wrong. I think even the mental status during the whole recovery process affects the time that it takes for them to recover, right?
6: Oh, for if you're talking, I mean, yeah. In general,
5: in, talk, general. Talk in
6: general, in yeah. general, yeah. I mean, yeah. If there's if there's any kind of distress or anything like that, I mean your body doesn't really differentiate stress. Yeah. Stress is stress, right? Um, whether it's emotional, physical. So it's just it's a multifactorial thing, and um, I think ultimately, again, just like what we've all touched on, it's more the individualization, um, the communication, and then the ultimate buy-in from top down, really.
3: Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head on the socialization. Like, a, there's the locker room talk, and then there's the outside of the locker room talk. And, you know, the moment that we can, you know, unify the two, um, like you honed in on, on Joelle, like you know, then then we've really created that impact. I think what what raises what causes me to raise my eyebrow in the stats that you mentioned, Julie, and rightfully so, those are written mm-hmm. as such as if we're focusing on, you know, male versus female and everything in between to amplify concussion and ACL, mm-hmm. maybe that's the wrong way to position it, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> it, it's more of how do we educate ourselves and inform ourselves, right, to to negate, you know, to, to make us less susceptible to those ACLs. Yes, physiology and hormones play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we start to change that conversation and flip the switch to say, okay, what is it about our nutrition? What is it about how we socialize? What is it about our mental state, right? Um, to make certain that we, we are creating impact, right? Because we already know the stats are falling short in, in, in being inclusive, Right So So I think if we, we take the conversations also to the orthopedic um, surgeons, endocrinologists and say, what are you seeing? It's okay to talk about it, you know, across age, right? And youth sports, you know I remember going to AAU, um, I grew up in New York, New Jersey, and used to go to Liberty Games when Rebecca Lobo was playing, right. It wasn't so normalized, right that hey, we're going to a WNBA game and this is a cool thing to do, let alone amplifying, in AAU sports, girls are playing like six games a weekend. How many injuries and where are those stats? And how do we help the youth that become, you know, that are in, on track to become those professional athletes? So there's just a lot of eyebrow, you know, raising when, when I hear those those statements accurately, accurately posed, Julian. I'm, I'm wondering if we need to sort of flip the script of, of what is being communicated
6: and, and messaged.
1: why why are they even doing a study on that the difference between men and female what's the point
6: yeah and that's i mean i love how you like shift that narrative perspective um christy because i i agree with you like well what it's kind of like if if an athlete comes to uh, if you know if our somebody upper like general manager comes here and says well why isn't the athlete even reporting to you are you even creating an environment where they where they feel okay to report to you like just like what you said, like what what's the culture behind? of Why is this even happening? And let's actually address the, the true foundation like we can have all these stats, but like what's the underlying? Um, like contributing factor to it all. Um, I had another point and I completely forgot it.
4: And to add to like Mills and like Joe's point of individualization. I think when it comes to the athlete, it's the same as when it comes to a patient like listening to that individual, right? And rather than going general, individual individualizing that whole recovery plan and everything so that you actually listen to them. Because most of the time, we know our body better than mm-hmm. anyone else, right? So sometimes when you're doing these plans, you need to listen to the athlete side as well, right? and to understand and come up with all these plans in a way that it's applicable for each one separately rather than going on a general plan.
6: Yeah, and, and I think, and I remember now, yes, absolutely, like what you're saying, Shamini, where lots of times when people ask me questions about what I do, honest, I truly say a lot of times, it's really not rocket science, it's just I listen to them and what they tell me, I most most of the time actually just do (laughs) because especially at the level of the athletes that i work with they know their bodies so well that I, i it's i should listen to what they're saying and what they're telling me and what they're thinking right like i'm not them i i did not get them to at this point in their career being at a wnba final i've only worked with them for two years right so um whatever they've been especially the veterans whatever they've been doing has been working how can i just help supplement and maybe provide a little bit more guidance Of something that might be missing a little bit. Um, But I think another example, too, of, you know, talking about injury rates and and incidence rates with females versus males, like we were talking about the like culture. Well, another big topic, right, is strength training. Um, Historically, women aren't really, it's not, it's not, we don't really grow up being told, oh, you get in the gym and you work out a ton, right? That's not, it, it might be nowadays. Um, But I mean, even when I was young, I was the only girl in an all boys soccer team. Like girls, there wasn't really a girls soccer team in Dallas, Texas. Um, but I played on the all boys team. So my point of that is, even within my 30, 30 some odd years of life, like that's has shifted dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just what's the fundamentals of the culture that we maybe should take more of a look at um, mm-hmm. to create those foundations, really.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anybody else has any uh, clothing remarks, any thoughts?
3: No,
2: but yeah, probably just just like this, this kind of comparison between one versus the other one was probably needed at the beginning mm-hmm. to shock, to shock, to see, hey, there is a big gap. Hey, we have to pay attention on that hey, watch out, by the woman happening so much more because of blah, blah, blah. And I think now we are one step further I in the research and everything. Okay, now we know that. We can't hear that anymore because that it's okay. We pay the attention and now we have to go more in this, in this what we speak about, what you all three speak nice about. I don't want to repeat it, but I think it's really, this point, it was needed to shock and sometimes when you're educated, you still need this shock argument to just make clear to the people hey, there is a difference, so mm-hmm. we have to pay attention on that. And, and okay, there is a difference, this is another under- individualize what I have in front of me and what how can I help?
5: Yeah,
4: I exactly. It's, it's now about walking the talk,
5: yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to action because, and especially, I mean, being on this call where I'm not the scientist on the call and I'm the athlete on the call, but um, being able to translate that research where to even general population of people who work out just casually, um, but understanding that because even if we do have accessibility to those resources, it's understanding the differences in each person is very crucial for providing appropriate diagnosis the uh, management of sports related injuries in both female and male athletes
1: yeah and you're right you said female and male athlete no no different i mean yeah. Both, right? yeah
5: and to be able to have this research now that is i mean back in 2008 when i was first on the olympic scene and i trained with a mostly male team and a male coach and i they would always ask how we would train differently. And it was always Schmitty puts her head down, and just works hard, but not ever understanding that I, maybe I should be training a little bit differently, or maybe when I was bleeding too much and was anemic, there could have been some changes, but just really putting your head down and doing that work. And I know at the beginning of this call, um, someone stated how we're not using period as an excuse. And that's always my Um, biggest message is that they're not going to change the finals. They're not going to change the Olympic games. They're not going to change whatever competition you have just because you're in your period. So how can we um, make those symptoms manageable and keep you at your highest performance during your period and during your menstrual cycle? Mm
2: -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important you are in this group listen because you are the voice of the athlete and that's exactly this you are the perfect example that if you train like a maid it can work because you make your gold medal you know what i mean so actually your head your coach i don't know him at all but can say what i should train and another woman in another way because it works mm-hmm. but you the perfect way to say yes it works but <laughs> But perhaps if we took it a little differently or make it like this, you don't even know what you could make more. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's why it's so important. Your voice is so important because that's making also, you don't need like scientist numbers and, and facts and how you will translate this into praxis and whatever. You, the athlete who, live, who went through, through over that and who can say, yes, it works but probably we can make it also a little different. And, and it's, it's, I like that. I love Understanding
5: that. that timeline too. I really appreciate that. Cause understanding, I mean, I started training with him at 15 years old, ended at 31 years old. And so all those phases between those ages was, I mean, it was learning myself and my body, but also him learning oh, this isn't like, you're not as easy as a guy to train. Um, so I think he had to definitely go through a lot of learning aspects of it too, especially towards the end of my career when I realized that I was having uh, female health problems as well.
6: I mean, this that's actually pretty, ex- I, I just got super excited because thinking about it, I mean, I don't know how this just occurred to me, but like it's one of those like the moments where if, you know, female athletes have been trained a certain way based off of a demographic that isn't them can we like how cool is that to think of all the amazing things that are possible when we start to truly individualize and tailor like that just actually got me super excited like if if things if like things are like popping off now like imagine what's going to happen in a few years like this is cool
5: Mm -hmm. generations to come have a lot of great things to look forward to
6: in actuality like we haven't even scratched the surface so if people think that women's if people think that women's sports and the stuff that mm-hmm. that we now, that's happening now is great just watch
1: mm-hmm. yeah that no, great points Well, look where well, can we have 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 the the go ahead
2: they will have yeah. the resource they will have the visibility they will have the, the knowledge so it's really exciting to be part of this and I, I think i i, I think that like, women actually
4: anyways already put double the effort so just imagine if you have more <laughs> to support
1: you. For sure. Yeah. Well, great conversation, you know, as always. So uh, I wanted to thank everyone for the for the call today. Joel, good luck with the finals, double again finals. Um hope you guys, you know, win's been I think I was reading 21 years, but you now it's the time to do it. So
6: <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm gonna do whatever i can to help but uh we're gonna try and well great. i'll i'll see you all in a few weeks we'll see what happens yes well yeah
1: <laughs> like uh well look thanks everyone for the call and then uh great great insight so thank you thank you
3: thank you everyone thank,
0: thank, you. thank you for listening to access past episodes and other research articles and analysis of sports technology please visit our website theupside.us Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by IBAudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.